Welcome to the Comic Web's Old Time Radio Podcast. Each week we feature an episode from the golden years of radio. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs, comic books, and more. Check us out at comicweb.com. You'll get some of my brief commentary after the episode. This week we have the Bob Hope Show, live from Walter Reed. <laughs> Bob Hope Show. And now, here is Bob Hope. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm broadcasting from Walter Reed Army Hospital. Of course, there's romance in the air. One patient thought he was feeling the pangs of love. Then he discovered his nurse was giving him a hypodermic with his back rub. <laughs> But there's a very new type of hypodermic needle here. It makes the hole so small, the doctor can hardly put his foot in it. <laughs> and the guys here, the patients here, certainly are in return to service, really. One of them was talking to a cute blonde nurse, and I heard him say, Meet me tonight, honey, I'm ready for active duty. <laughs> but the thing you have to admire about these boys is the way they all try to help each other. As I walked into the hospital this morning, one G.I. stopped me and said, Don't worry, buddy. You'll be amazed at what plastic surgery can do for that nose. <laughs> it's really wonderful to be here. Of course, this morning I almost didn't get in. The head doctor saw me walking through the door, took one look at me and said, Sorry, it's too late. <laughs> but I snuck in anyway. I didn't want to miss anything while I was here, so I took a sightseeing tour yesterday. We went to the Capitol building and saw the big picture of the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776 with all the original signers. As I was looking at it, a little kid tucked in my sleeve and said, Hey, mister, it's hard to recognize him in those fancy wigs. Which one is Crosby? <laughs> He's one of the original members of the Whig Party, you know. He wishes. He could save a lot of money. But anyway, we were, we were driving along in the sightseeing bus, and the guide said, to your right is the United States Mint. And a guy from the South sitting next to me said, well, sure enough, that's nice. Now, where do we go for the julep? <laughs> and I have never seen so many statues. Everywhere you look, there's a statue of some politician. We saw a statue of Napoleon. Of course, it's easy to tell he wasn't a politician. He had his hand in his own pocket. <laughs> I dropped into the White House, and I want to tell you, the president's really careful about how he spends the taxpayers' money. He doesn't have a lot of butlers and servants hanging around. I know. He came to the door himself and told me he was out. <laughs> now, I always look forward to my annual trip to the nation's capital. It gives me a chance to see my guests and dearest friends again. My $5 bills, my $10 bills, my $20 bills. Ooh, the pain. Don't get me wrong, I don't mind taxes. I'd sooner pay taxes than eat. I'm just hoping that someday we can afford both. But I read in the papers that they're going to lower taxes. That's the best thing I've had to look forward to since Paramount patched up the knothole in Jane Russell's dressing room. <laughs> you 
remember me, Mr. Peepers? <laughs> At least I don't have to worry about the flight. The pilots never have any trouble finding Washington when Congress is in session. The pilot just sticks his hand out of the plane, and when the air gets hot, that's it. <laughs> and Congress is also trying to outlaw the filibuster. I hear that one congressman has his mouth open so often his wife is having his tongue wallpaper to match the living room. <laughs> Those filibusters are really something. When they run out of things to say, they start reading. One senator read for two days in the racing form, and Congress passed it. <laughs> The real reason for my visit is to entertain at the annual dinner for the news correspondents. You know what a correspondent is. That's a guy who goes to college for four years, studies current events for two years more, visits all the capitals of the world, interviews all the famous statesmen, and then meets you on the street and says, what's new? <laughs> all the correspondents will be there except Walter Winchell. He doesn't mix with the others. He's starting his own war. <laughs> and you know, how, you know how Walter Winchell rattles that telegraph key when he broadcasts? You should sit next to him when he's got a soup spoon in his hand. <laughs> By the time he says hello, you've got an eyeball full of chicken broth and an ear full of noodles. <laughs> and now I'd like you to meet one of Hollywood's most glamorous and successful stars, the lovely, talented Arlene Dahl, ladies and gentlemen. Say, you know, Arlene, we're lucky to have you on our show tonight. You're just about the busiest girl in town, aren't you? Well, I have been rather busy, Bob. You certainly are. You make movies, write a beauty column, and design lingerie. Well, I get lots of ideas. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> but tell me, how's your beauty column going, Arlene? Do you have many readers? Oh, well, I hope so. I'm syndicated in about 25 newspapers. Well, what do you do? Give beauty hints? Mm-hmm. And even advice when people write in for it. Advice? Mm-hmm. Why, just the other day, Bob, I got a letter from a little old man who wanted to know what to do about his wrinkles. Really? What else did Crosby have to say? <laughs> well, it wasn't Bing, Bob. Really, Bing wouldn't ask for beauty hints. That's true. He's resigned to his appearance. <laughs> Mother Nature slipped him a Mickey, and that's that. <laughs> well, let's forget old hydrogen head and talk about you. You know, I, I saw your picture, Sangaree, and I liked it very much. It's such a fine story, I thought we'd do our version of it tonight. Well, do you think you could play a real southerner, Bob? Can I? will fan my brow with a poke job. Fetch me a mess. <laughs> I'm just starting, honey. <laughs> Fetch me a mess of fat back, honey lamb, hush my mouth, and mouth my hush. <laughs> Stand back or I'll get corn pone all over you. I guess that proves I can handle anything that requires a mouthful of mush. Let's go. Tonight, the players present their version of Sangaree, a story of the Old South. Our story begins on one of the great plantations of the South. A plantation so vast that each year it ships a hundred boatloads of cotton from the nearby port of Savannah. But failing crops and the pirate raids on their ships have brought the plantation to the verge of bankruptcy. Now we find the owner, Arlene Culpepper, talking to a friend. Oh, 
forgive me if I seem upset, Maggie Lou, but I'm furious. Simply furious. Well, what's wrong, Arlene, honey? To think that bank appointed that man to be the manager of my plantation. The man I hate most in the world. The man I despise. Well, how you do go on, Arlene. There just isn't anybody that hateful. Who are you talking about? Robert Beauregard Hope. Oh, that dirty rat. <laughs> yes. Why is the bank sending him? Well, every time we send out a shipload of our cotton from Savannah Harbor, the pirates capture it. They're ruining us. We've got to have someone to help us to the bank is sending Beauregard. Oh, that's fine. Yes. <laughs> now, why couldn't the bank send somebody else to take over my affairs? Well, don't worry. Don't worry, honey. He won't be around long when the pirates get through with him. Mm, I hate to see bloodshed. Well, you won't. Beauregard hasn't got any. <laughs> well, the idea of Beauregard taking over your plantation, why, he's nothing but a carpet bagger. That's right. Why, he's even got a figure like a baggy carpet. <laughs> I guess Beauregard isn't so bad. You know, he was real sweet on me before he went up north. Oh, has he been up north? Way up north. Well, how far north? Clean up to New Orleans. <laughs> Why, just look at the time. He'll be here less than an hour. <laughs> Beg pardon, Mrs. Culpepper? Yes? A gentleman to see you, ma'am. Mr. Beauregard Hope. Oh. Oh, send him in. Yes, and Step this way, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Luigi. Southern pizza pusher. Hey. <laughs> Hello, Arlene, honey. Why, Beauregard Hope. Mm, let me look at you. You're just like a picture. Oh, now, Beauregard. No, I mean it, honey. You're prettier than a mess of possum liver simmering in a bucket of hog fat. <laughs> well, uh, well, Beauregard. <laughs> Is it nice to be back? Oh, I'll show enough is. It's show enough nice to be back. That is, uh, Yasum, show enough, show enough. <laughs> the poke shop on the side. Why, you've been away so long, you've lost your southern accent. <laughs> I'll get it back. I'll put a pound of cotton in my mouth and talk through the fuzz for a while. <laughs> Now that you're master of the plantation, when are you fixing to move in? Well, right now. What have you got for dinner? I've been traveling a long way. What would you like for dinner, Beauregard? Oh, some real southern cooking. Black-eyed peas, candied yams, some turnip greens, and a slice of ham. A slice of ham. And and what would you like for a second course? <laughs> now, I tell you... Hey, say, who's this walking up here toward the house? Why, he's the owner of the next plantation. He drops in to visit me once in a while. Come in, Colonel. Afternoon, Miss Culpepper. Afternoon. Oh, uh, have you two met? No, I don't believe we have. Permit me to introduce myself, sir. Shake hands with Colonel William J. Goodwin, 7th Alabama Raiders. Oh, shake hands with Colonel Robert B. Hope. My goodness, you're a fellow southerner, eh? Oh, don't you believe him, Colonel. 
He's a no good. Come to take my plantation away from me. Oh, not while I'm here to help you, Miss Eileen. Colonel, I'm running this plantation. Get off this property or I'll fetch my bullwhip and I'll whip you till you're a cherry red. <laughs> Sir, if you was any kind of a man, instead of forcing yourself on this defenseless woman, you'd enlist in the army and help us fight the Civil War. Yeah, I got news for you. The Civil War is over and the South lost. No. We lost? How did that happen? The loan from Phil Harris didn't come through. <laughs> and here in this spot, we bring on Margaret Whiting. Move in, Maggie, please. story of Beauregard Hope and his efforts to save the great Culpeper Plantation. A plantation so huge, it was bounded on the north by the Carolinas, on the east by the ocean, on the south by the Gulf, and on the west by machine guns. Texas was jealous. <laughs> yes, I was master of the plantation, but hard times had come. Our cotton was weevily. Our oats were oatsy. 
And our tobacco wasn't toasted. It wasn't mild. It didn't satisfy it. It twisted your T-zone. And of all leading cigarettes, doctors hated it ten to one. As the months passed, things went from bad to worse. The field hands deserted. The servants quit. And we were so poor, for mint julius, we served a tall glass of lighter fluid with a sprig of poison ivy floating on top. It cooled you off, but permanently. Still, I think I could have brought the plantation back to prosperity had it not been for the pirates waiting for our ships outside of Savannah Harbor. It was obvious that I had to make a deal with the pirates, so I decided to leave the plantation and ship out on our next outward-bound vessel. I went down to the Savannah docks and hailed the captain. Ahoy, you! Ahoy, you! Ahoy, you! I'm fine! Ahoy, you! I knew I should have gotten an actor. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to hire leftovers from the Fresno grape-crushing season. <laughs> I'll stand for no insubordination, Captain. Ah, sir. Sometimes I wonder what you really think of me. We think you're no good Yankee trash, a dirty yellow dog renegade scum who sells out his own flesh and blood to the northern bankers. Don't be afraid. Speak up. <laughs> I'm coming aboard, Captain. The way the pirates have been raiding, I think our ships need the supervision of the owner. As you like, sir, but the real owner is already on board. Yeah? Why, Beauregard, are you all making this voyage, too? In your interest, ma'am. Well, have you taken inventory of my cargo? Minute time. Is everything all right? Crazy, ma'am, crazy. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it's nervous. From where I stand, everything looks fine. Captain, we're ready to sail whenever you are. Aye, aye, sir. Man the wishes. Where are you, Captain? Tell me, boy, God, why do you wear those two great pistols in your belt? I'm expecting trouble from the crew. Today is payday. Who pays the crew? Nobody. That's why I'm expecting trouble. <laughs> sir. Yeah? We're shipped anchor. We're ready to sail. Oh, good. I'll give the orders. But, sir, Savannah Harbor is very... Specific. I know what I'm doing. Cast off the bow line. Cast off the stir line. Now starboard to helm. No, no. Port the helm. I said starboard to helm. And when I say starboard, I mean starboard. Why is the ship going so slow? We're sailing up Main Street. <laughs> you take over, Captain, and don't go through any red light. Oh, there you are, honey lamb. There's something I've been wanting to ask you. You know how I feel about you. Will you marry me? What? Why, you're only proposing to me because I happen to own a big plantation. When you look at me, you don't see my hair, my eyes, my lips, my shoulders. Why, y'all see cotton, barley, oats, rye, tobacco. I changed my mind. Now I don't want to marry you. You don't? No, the honeymoon would be too confusing. (laughs) 
have to spend a year at agricultural school to learn how to kiss her. Well, I guess my plantation isn't worth very much now, anyway. Don't give up. I have an idea that may save us from bankruptcy. What's that? From now on, I'm going to plant the cotton and the tobacco in the same field. How will that save us? I'm going to raise filter-tipped cigarettes. Well, are you going to marry me or not? Well, to tell you the truth, Beauregard, I, I can't make up my mind between you and Colonel Goodwin. I'm warning you. If you don't marry me, I'm in a position to ruin your plantation and spend all your money. Why, Beauregard, would you take unfair advantage of a woman? That, I'm happy to say, is the story of my life. <laughs> But if we get through this voyage, watch on deck and keep your musket handy, man. <laughs> Sail off the starboard bow. Sail home. It's the pirates. That's your postman. Prepare for action. Oh, oh, this is just awful. Nothing oh. to worry about, honey. This ship is built of solid oak. They'll never sink you. Oh, oh Beauregard. I don't see you, Beauregard. Where are you? Over here in a lifeboat. <laughs> is twice the size of ours, and she's armed with cannon. The only sensible thing to do is surrender. Well, I couldn't think of it. We've got to fight now. Stand by to repel boarding. All able-bodied men on deck to fight the pirates. So long. If anyone wants me, I'll be in my cabin. Oh, God. The pirates have guns and knives and swords. I know. I'll see you later. They're swarming over the ramp. Surrender or we'll cut you to bits. I can't believe it. Why, Colonel Goodwin, are you the leader of all these cutthroats? Well, I'm sorry you had to find out, Miss Arlene, but you're in no danger, ma'am. We're going to spare the women and kill all the men. Honey, child, do you mind if I hide behind your skirt? (laughs) You there, you there, who are you? There. What did you say to who that out there? Who there where? Huh? You hiding over there. Who are you? Call me Tallulah, that's all. Who <laughs> is you, Beauregard Hope? I knew all along you was a coward. Yeah, I'm not afraid of you, Colonel Goodman. You're not, huh? Oh, You're asking for it, Beauregard. Oh, oh, please don't fight, Beauregard. Colonel Goodwin is a hot-blooded southerner with a trigger disposition and a trigger temper. The resemblance to trigger doesn't end there, either. <laughs> What else can we Southerners do? Our plantations have been taken from us. Our lands are gone. We're penniless. The South is shot to pieces. Don't come whining to me. Draw your gun and start shooting. Very well, sir. You asked for it. Oh, he got me. Oh, oh, Beauregard. Are you badly wounded? Where are you hurt? I can't tell you, but now the South is really shot to pieces.
get into Bob Hope, I just wanted to mention that a few weeks ago we podcasted two Superman episodes, and those two have been downloaded more than any of our other podcasts. So I wanted to let people know that we also offer a Superman-only podcast, which is also updated weekly. You can find it on our website, comicweb.com, or wherever you downloaded this podcast. And now on to Bob. Bob Hope was born Leslie Towns Hope in England in 1903. His family moved to the United States in 1907. Shortly after entering school, he realized that American boys don't survive on the playground with names like Leslie, and he changed his name to Bob. Hope held a few odd jobs, including even as a professional boxer, until he decided on vaudeville. At first, he performed with a partner, but he found much greater success when he took his act solo. He became a, a regional hit in and around Chicago, but Hope wanted the big time, and that meant c- conquering the Big Apple. Being successful in New York meant, meant going into this newfangled thing called radio. He struggled for a few years in the mid-1930s trying to find the right role in the right show. Then in 1938, he found it, The Bob Hope Show which was sponsored by Pepsodent and aired by NBC. By 1940, his show was in fourth place, only behind Edgar Bergen, Jack Benny, and Lubin, and Lumen Abner. Not bad company to be in at all. Hope's reputation is as a USO guy, and he got that reputation by traveling, traveling, and more traveling. Even before World War II started, Hope brought his show to military bases and camps throughout the U.S., and when the war got started, Hope was hardly ever at the New York studio. It is possible that from the start of the war till the end, the Bob Hope Show was broadcast from the studio in New York only once. We don't know for certain, but he may have visited every military base, camp, and hospital in the States, and he made six trips overseas to Europe, Africa, and the Pacific. I am podcasting his trip to Walter Reed for two reasons. One, because he's funny, but the second reason is to encourage anyone to contact their Congress creditors to fix the problems with our Veterans Administration. If you've been following the news the past few weeks, the soldiers at Walter Reed Hospital have been in some pretty awful situations. Mold and rodents in their recovery room, poor poor and negligent care. There have been hearings on Capitol Hill, but Congress can always use more constant pressure to make sure that they don't forget about this issue. The comic web lives just a few miles from Walter Reed, so this story really infuriates us. But it isn't just Walter Reed, it's all of our VA hospitals. So thanks for listening to my rant. And now, kids, it's time for a Comic Web Radio Secret Society code, 18 Just enter this code at www.comicweb.com slash secretsociety.htm. Deciphering the code will give you all the benefits of membership in the Comic Web Radio Secret Society. Benefits include more free episodes, fun facts, a certificate of membership, and you get 15% off any order from the Comic Web. Just use our the word on checkout where we ask for a coupon code. The code again is 18 5 19 24 3 23. Thanks and have a good week.